This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, we're live. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. This is Tuesday, September 13th. We're going to go over waiver wire pickups today and streamers. I'm here with Zach. Zach was good, man. What'd you think about that game yesterday, dude? That was that was a it was a weird one. Yeah, it, it was because a lot of players that you know we didn't even really talk about, you know, did very well. Jared Judy, where the heck you saw if you watch your first two drives, like Andrew Beck, that tight end behind <laughs> Greg Dolch, was it Greg Dolchitz and um Albert O. Like yeah, yeah, just being hyper targeted right out of the gate. I was like, what the heck did we completely whiff on this guy? Like, well, I, he's I was, a, I think he's a fullback. Like, he's like a tweener. Like right. fullback tight end guy, yeah. uh, like and to me it was like, I I feel like you know now after watching the whole game, yeah, and and watching you know how Nathaniel Hackett operates, I feel like he was just trying to like you fool the opposing team. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's kind of how it felt like. <laughs> yeah, but I, I was just like I was worried we completely missed something this week. You know, I'm like, oh man, here's this guy. Like the like I said, he had what was it two catches like 50 yards. In the first drive, I was like, "Right, man!" And then he didn't do anything else after that. <laughs> yeah, he so it was fine. That, yeah. We were saved. But um. yeah, I know. Well, <laughs> yeah, you know, it was... it's and, and speaking of the tight ends, like you know, Albert O is like he actually he might be okay. You know, like after looking at the numbers after the yeah. game, he, you know, he looked okay. At his, you it know, wasn't he, awesome, but no, it wasn't amazing because they used all sorts of tight ends in yeah. this game. Like there was like four tight end fullbacks that they were using randomly, um, which kind of contributed to like the lack of targets for the wide receivers in this game, even though Russell Wilson threw for like, you know, almost 350 yards yeah. in this game, uh, the, but it didn't seem like it. Yeah. No, the thing for me was, um, you know, Javante Williams got 12 targets, caught 11 yeah. balls. So it's like that, that that's definitely taken away from the receivers. I feel like, you know, that was a big reason why the receivers didn't have much of a big night besides Jerry Judy, obviously. Yeah, um, no, for sure. I mean, 12 targets. I mean, you know, the, yeah. the cool thing about Javante, even though it was a pretty even split in sna- in terms of snaps between Javante and Gordon, Javante yeah. was doing his thing, dude. He was ripping off big chunk gains, and it's like they just want to get Gordon in there for, like, whatever reason. Yeah. Um, but he was their clear two-minute passing back, which was awesome. Um, they used Gordon as their third down back, which is like they use him as a go- third down back, and then they use Javante as their two-minute back. Um, yeah. So I'm not really sure what's going on there. But, you know, 12 targets is obviously amazing. Uh, and then you consider the goal line role. You know, Javante is sharing the goal line role with yeah. Melvin Gordon, and we saw what happened on the goal line with Melvin Gordon there. I don't know if that anything changes because of it, but we'll see. You know, that's not great. If you're talking you know, about so, the fumble, you know, both of them fumbled. Yes. So if maybe yeah. if Javante Williams didn't fumble, he might have more space between him and Gordon. But maybe, maybe, maybe. Uh, I, I don't know. But, you know, 58% of snaps for Javante. Uh, Gordon seems like their primary third down guy. Javante seems like their two minute guy. So at least he'll, he's going to get usage in the passing game. But Russell was looking for Javante a ton. Um, yeah. And then you have Albert O. It didn't seem like it, but he ran a route on more than 75% of Russell Wilson's dropbacks, which is pretty solid. And it's a lot more than I thought it could be. I think 75% is like the threshold 
that I'm looking for when I was, you know, hope it's kind of what I was hoping to see. I'm like, Hey, can he get at least 70, 75? And he did hit that. Uh, So he caught five or six targets, you know, Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton, they both had seven targets each. You know what I mean? So it seems like Albert O is going to be a big part of this offense. Um, and you know, like we were talking about earlier, like I, I wish these wide receivers were involved a little bit earlier, like a yeah. little bit, just just overall, there's a little bit more. Um, like that Judy touchdown, mm-hmm. it, it was honestly a terrible throw from Russell Wilson, right? Like if it was a good cornerback there, that would have been intercepted, I- intercepted. Like, but I think it was, um, I forgot, it wasn't Quandre Diggs. It no, was, it was a different uh, safety that got beat. It was Kobe uh, it Bryant. Was- Oh, it's it corner. Kobe. Yeah, you're talking about yeah. the corner. The safety. Yeah, Kobe, I, was, I thought you were talking about the safety that got outrun. <laughs> no, Kobe Bryant, who like, you know, he was he was he was guarding Judy there. And then he kind of like, you know, he didn't know where the ball was. And then Judy caught it. He's like surprised that he caught it. And he, he was able to yeah. run it in for a touchdown. Right. Um, so you know, a little bit of a fluky play there. Uh, but Gordon Sutton wasn't involved until later in the game. He did catch that one big ball towards the end of the first half, but these wide receivers were hardly involved in the first half. It's gonna be an interesting offense. Um, you know, it did remind me a little bit of the Packers offense, um, you know, yeah. and it kind of makes sense with Nathaniel Hackett coming through. Um, mm-hmm. but, but we'll, but we'll see, you know, it's interesting, you know, for first game, you know, a lot of emotions coming back to Seattle for Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, we'll see, we'll see how that offense goes. Did you have any other thoughts from the Seahawks game? Just, you know, you know, Geno Smith, you know, could be a streaming option, but then, you know, just, we didn't expect the Seahawks to be very good. And we yeah. can't really tell at this point, but I can say that the Broncos offense looked out of sorts. And yeah. that was weird because they have a lot of good players like Cortland How- Sutton, Jerry Judy, Alberto, yeah. Javante, Russell Wilson. You think this would have been a game, you know, like they just light it up immediately. And, you know, it's it's a new quarterback. You know, they had the offseason. That was about it. Um, maybe it'll take a little time for them to start meshing. But I was actually a little bit concerned because outside of that lightning strike touchdown to Jerry Judy, otherwise they would have had nine points. So, like, I, I, I'm not too encouraged about that. Yeah, and we have a comment here from Josh. You know, Sutton was close to having a big game, uh, two pass interferences against him in the end zone. Um, yeah, I mean, like, you know, I feel like he, there's going to be games ahead for Court and Sutton. Yeah. You know, he's the guy that Russell Wilson is going to be looking for deep. We didn't see a lot of that in this game. Uh, right. There was a lot of running backs, you know, a lot of tight ends, <laughs> full tight end fullbacks full coming, backs. Out, coming yeah. out of the backfield and, and in line. Um, so, yeah, it's a great point. And I think there's going to be – this offense is going to kind of get shit together. And also, it's like, you know, the end of the game, like what are you doing, Nathaniel Hackett, right? It's yeah. like, dude, like why aren't you calling a timeout? You know, move the ball forward a little bit more. Why are you depending on a 60-yard field goal? Yeah. You know, move He's the ball. You have Tucker. time. You have the timeout. <laughs> Uh, did, if I'm not mistaken, did they have more than one timeout? I think they did. They might have. I'm not I exactly. Think they had sure. two. I think, but but either way, you can spike the ball later, right? Like you're at the yeah. 50 yard line. <laughs> like you move <laughs> the ball. You have a minute left. Right. Continue to move the ball. Spike the ball. You have playmakers. He was playing scared, man. He was playing scared. So first game as a head coach, I get it. You know the nerves. You know big pressure game Monday night football. Uh, but you know I'm hoping for better things moving forward for. The Broncos. I think it'll happen. I think it'll happen. Right. And yeah, it looks like Cortland Sutton's going to end up on that missed points post that Steve and, you know, fancy guys put out. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That's a case, and, you know, two PIs, you know. 100%, man. And, and by the way, if you guys don't know what what uh, Zach is talking about, uh, Fantasy Guides, uh, who's, who, you know, Steve runs that account on Instagram. Uh, please 
these posts. Uh, every Monday, he puts out a post with uh, uh, all, all the missed opportunities that could have happened, you know, all the stuff that we might not have seen on Red Zone, right? And all the stuff that, uh, you know, could have contributed to a bigger day uh, for a lot of these fantasy. Uh, and it, it will give you an idea, you know, how these players might be able to, you know, future in terms of the opportunities that were missed, right? So it's a great, uh, I, I really like what Steve put together there. All right, so let's get right into the waiver wire, man. Um, we have a, a a bunch of interesting waiver wire names. Now, I got a question for you: Are you breaking the bank on anybody this week? Um, I, I don't want to say breaking the bank, but I'm making a priority add. I don't know if we're going to pull the graphic up, but um, Robbie Anderson. I, I I think you know. I actually picked him up right before the season started. Um, did. And you started Alan, him against right. me. Yeah, because Alan Lazard mm-hmm. was out. I said, you know, I'll take my chances and with we- Robbie Anderson. I actually really liked what I saw because, you know, for all the crap that you hear about Baker Mayfield and Robbie Anderson, you know, Robbie Anderson not wanting to play with Baker Mayfield in Carolina. Um, clearly, that's behind them. Uh, they have a connection. And the Panthers offense, you know, it looks like they're looking to get him involved early. So uh, my priority ad for the week would be Robbie Anderson. No, I, yeah, I love it. So I have Robbie Anderson down at five. Yeah. Um, but, but I'm with you, man. Uh, Robbie Anderson, you know, it was a bit of a desperate start for you to put him in your lineup against me, yeah, but you know, it we, was. <laughs> we, 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 we do have deeper, you know, we have three wide receivers. We're starting flexes. Um, but 32% target share, right. Very top heavy distribution in Carolina. Um, yeah. so it was him, CMC and DJ Moore, and that's it, right? Like nobody mm-hmm. got close to their target share, which is what you want to see. Um, and and they only dropped back 30 times in this game. So if they pass the ball more in the future, we could see some more targets that go around. So, right. and, and you know, I think part of the reason for you is like, you know, we saw Robbie Anderson very fantasy relevant in the past, right? In 2020, yeah. you know, he was a solid wide receiver too every single week. Um, yeah. Couldn't get anything going in 2021 with Sam Darnold and you know, go figure. Uh, yeah. So we could possibly see a resurgence from him this, this year, you know? Yeah. Now, so if you Robbie- had to drop... Uh, go ahead a percentage of fab on robbie what are you thinking out, out of 100 let's say you had your full yeah like what, what, what yeah. percentage would you put down on, on robbie um, if you had if you needed a wide receiver uh, i'd start if you need a wide receiver i'd start at 10 and see yeah. if you could get him there and then i'd go up to 15 17 yeah i, I wouldn't go much higher than that but if you Makes could sense. get him for 10 I'd, I'd be happy with that yeah yeah, I I agree. I was gonna say five to ten percent, but it really depends on how badly you need a wide receiver. Um, you know, obviously for me, I like to spend more fab on running backs. Um yeah. wide receivers every single week, there's normally a wide receiver that you can pick up on the waiver wire to kind of fill in for you. Um, you know, depending on how deep your league is for the most part. So you don't want to break the bank. However, if you think that there's gonna be a wide receiver that could be in your lineup every single week potentially like Robbie Anderson, you know, you might want to spend a couple more dollars because, you know, if you can get a wide receiver that you, you can use every week after week one, that's a pretty good investment right there. Yeah. Right. So, so, so that, that, that does make sense. Yeah. Um, did you have anything else on Robbie? Yeah. So this is yeah. that the target, you know, you said about the target share being there and, you know, you can chalk it up be like, Oh, well maybe he was only relevant because of that long touchdown, but that's what he specializes in. And that's what you're going for every week. And that's what he got. Baker Mayfield, is actually, you know, underappreciated as a deep ball passer. He's not that bad. So, you pair that with Robbie Anderson's deep ball threat and his skill set, you know, he could have those long touchdowns, those long bombs, you know, every week. 
Yeah, no, I'm with you, man. And and you know what? Like he's getting the target share on top of that, right? So it's like right. if you're getting the target share on top of that, you're gonna get routes, you're gonna get targets all over the field, and you're gonna mix it in with that potential deep bomb every now and then. Like that's that's really what you want, right? Like yeah. you want that big play potential out of somebody who's gonna be getting a lot of targets. Um, so if if Robbie Anderson can continue doing that, then hey, man, like, and we saw the we saw the connection in preseason as well. So this isn't the first time that we saw a bomb uh, touchdown from Baker yeah. to, to, to Robbie this year. Right. It's the second time. Yep. All right. Let's start with Jeff Wilson real quick, man. Um, you know, Elijah Mitchell is going to potentially miss two months right after an MCL injury. Jeff Wilson is the clear number two right now. Mm-hmm. I think you can pick him up, you know, and he'll be an immediate back-end RB2 play this week against the Seahawks. So if you need a running back, I think he would be the guy to pick up and play. Um, yeah. And I'm going to mention uh, – Jordan Mason now I have him I think at like 14 on this list mm-hmm. uh as a stash uh you know now that Mitchell's out of the way for a while that leaves room for someone like Mason who's now the number two back um not TDP it's not Tyrion Davis Price right now Mason is the one who looked really good at, during camp enough to yeah. put him above TDP you know on the depth chart and enough for beat reporters to rave about him during camp so he is a stash in case the 49ers need someone more explosive than Jeff Wilson as their running back one. Okay. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a takeover uh, at some point, you know, just for a few weeks before Mitchell is back, because this is a long period of time. This is two months. So Jeff Wilson could potentially be the back for, you know, two weeks, maybe three. Right. Uh, But if he doesn't get it done, there's going to be an opportunity for someone like uh, Jordan Mason, because listen, at the end of the day, Jeff Wilson isn't this like electrifying back, <laughs> right? Like yeah. he, he's a guy who can get it done. You know, he's borderline Jag, uh, but the 49ers like him. Kyle Shanahan likes him. He has a lot of those intangible skills like pass blocking that, you know, kind of leaves him on the field and he kind of, you know, p- you know, he will get you those yards that you need, but he's not somebody who's going to like necessarily make a ton of plays for you. And Jordan Mason can be that guy. So just keep an eye on him. Right. Um, how much fab would you would you drop on Jeff Wilson? I'm I'm thinking I don't want to break the bank on him personally. Mm-hmm. Like it depends on how badly I need a running back. If I desperately need a running back, you know, maybe I'll put in like 15%. But like, yeah. you know, I, I really don't want to go over 10%, but I get it. He could be a, a running back to for, you know, six, seven weeks, right? Yeah. So that could be worth something. So if you need to go up to 15% fab on Jeff Wilson, I think I think that's okay. Yeah, I feel like Jeff Wilson, he's just a really easy add, a really easy pick to, you know, be at the top of waivers. And I think a lot of people are gonna be kind of chipping in on him. And if you want to let other people run up the fab, you know, run up the price, then um just let it happen. If it gets out of your range, you know, I'm sure people yeah. will be going after him. You can let them have him. Unless, you know, you're really in dire streets with your RB situation, but it's only week one going into week two. So no one should really be shooting that desperately for him right now, I don't think, because the running backs players on your roster still have time to pan out yeah no i'm with you on that uh jarvis landry you know i have him at number two here the fact that landry led the saints in target share is not surprising to me like that's who he is we've been talking about this before the season started and i felt like he was being slept on big time so this is nothing new for jarvis landry if you listen to us he would be on your roster already okay he's a good player someone who has always demanded a high target share and he can continue to be involved as the number two the entire season now Right. He was the number one target in week one and he has Chris Olave, you know, breathing down his back. Right. No doubt about that. So, you know, there is a world where Landry continues to be the number one target in this offense behind Michael Thomas. Um, I think he can be started this week against the Bucks as like a high end flex play. If he continues, 
uh, he'll be in the wide receiver three conversation. Um, now, I'm not breaking the bank on Jarvis Landry, okay? Maybe 5% of fab, something like that. Because, you know, you can play him next week. Chris Olave is part of that three-man rotation right now, okay? He, he, has, he has broken through. He is a starter. Okay, he's starting on the outside. Jarvis Landry is their slot guy. So it is possible that Chris Olave kind of breaks through and becomes the number two target behind Michael Thomas. Don't forget, they have Alvin Kamara as well, who didn't get targeted a whole lot week one. That could potentially go up too. However, Jarvis Landry, as long as he stays healthy, there's no reason why he can't demand those targets. Right, and you kind of went on your victory lap for Jarvis Landry, you know, yesterday. And And today. Yes, and today. And I, I don't want to beat it to death. But yeah, Jarvis Landry, he's definitely a contributor in the Saints offense right now. And he's hard. He's like, as a Jarvis Landry denier somewhat, you know, I can't really <laughs> deny it. So <laughs> I, I like Michael Thomas more. That's why I think Michael Thomas ultimately is going to really take control of the target share here soon, as long as he stays healthy. And that's kind of why I'm shying away from Jarvis Landry. But, you know, as he's coming back, getting right into the groove, you know, it might take a couple more weeks before you see prime, you know, Michael Thomas again. And Chris Olave could come on too. Um, until then, you know, Jarvis Landry, he, he'll be just fine. Obviously, Jameis Winston has no no problem throwing to him. And he exceeded my expectations by a pretty good good amount um, this week. So, yeah, I think if you listen to Faraz especially, you know, he would be on your roster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Rex Burkhead, you know, we spoke about his usage yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. 19 opportunities, 70% of snaps in a positive game script. You know, he is the primary passing down back as well. So he has a three down role. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he ran around on 66% of dropbacks. I had the same reaction when I see Rex Burkhead here. Okay. It's Rex Burkhead. So, you know, but you just can't ignore this type of usage. Um, I do think that Damian Pierce eventually becomes the guy in this backfield. As we spoke about yesterday, uh, I also don't trust Rex to stay healthy the entire season. He's 32 years old also. Uh, right. But if you need it back this week, you know, with the possibility of this last thing, you know, I, m- I might put up about 10% of fab on Rex Burkhead. Don't want to overinvest, but I think he can provide some short-term value at the very least. And is yeah. there a chance this lasts for a little bit? There is a chance. Would I bet on it? No. Damian Pierce, I think, can eventually close that gap uh, significantly. But for now, I think Rex Burkhead could potentially be in your lineup next week. We'll see what the usage is like in week two. And potentially that could kind of move on to week three. Yeah, I think this is a, you know, two or three week pickup, you know, yeah. with Rex Burkhead, you know, and then, I mean, if things keep going his way, you know, after two or three weeks, it may, you know, all the better for it. You know, you pick him up, you got him cheap and you're good. But then if he doesn't, you know, you're fine. You didn't break the bank on, like you said, um, you got your value out of him and you might not even have to start him. It'll be just be nice to have if anything happens to your running backs, you'll be fine. Obviously, we're not saying you should start him over any guys that you have already. These are waiver wire pickups. But, um, yeah, Rex Burkhead, he, he looks like a good value after one week. But, you know, we could be overreacting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not I'm not breaking the bank. You know, 10% of fab, I'm not going more than that, you know, for, for Rex Burkhead. You know, it, right. and that's only if I need a running back. You know, I'm not trying to, like, pick him up and throw him on the bench. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, unless unless you can get him for less than 10%. That's kind of how I look at it. Um, All right, let's move on to Curtis Samuel. Now, I have Curtis Samuel, you know, I had to decide between Curtis Samuel and Dotson, right? And the reason why I chose Samuel to be higher on this list uh, for a couple of reasons. One, he's the guy playing out of the slot. We've seen Carson Wentz historically, you know, before last year when all he had was Michael Pittman, uh, you know, he adored slot receivers, okay? Yeah. 
Uh, Curtis Samuel in this game, targeted 10 times, targeted on 28% of his routes. Uh, he had four carries on top of that. Uh, and we know he had that in him. Um, so that can be pretty meaningful to have a few extra touches a game on top of the receiving work. Uh, now, he comes with a lot of risk. Okay, His risk is not being able to stay healthy. Uh, but I'm taking a shot on him. Like His depth of target uh, was a lot lower than McLaurin or Dotson. Those guys are running deeper routes, more valuable targets. Uh, so if I'm in a standard or a half-point league, I might prefer Dotson. Um, now, if you don't want to deal with the potential risk of Samuel you know, simply not being able to stay healthy this year, then you can just go Dotson instead. You know, Samuel yeah. is available in way more leagues than Dotson is. So this, if you're in a 12-team league, there's a good chance that Dotson will probably be rostered um, just because there's been a little bit of hype on him over the last couple of weeks, be, right before the season started. Um, right. But Samuel, I think, you know, is available in almost every league. And uh, he's a pretty good pickup. I think if he can stay healthy, I think he could be a lot more fantasy relevant than we think. Yeah, and I think that comes from, you know, the rushing and receiving with yeah. Curtis Samuel. And that's what we've always known he's been able to do. It's just he's always been off the field with injuries. And, you know, we got a taste of what that could look like, especially in Washington, you know, this season. Um, obviously, the receiver room's a little bit more crowded than when Curtis Samuel originally was, when he originally got there. Um, he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. But he's a contributor, and I think a guy that they're going to look to continue using. Um, I personally prefer Dotson over Samuel on the waivers. That's just me. Um, I was actually drafting Dotson, so that makes sense. <laughs> I was actually yeah. drafting with like the last pick. So I was higher on than most people on him. And it looks like Jahan Dotson's gonna do all right. Uh Curtis Samuel, though, you know, the usage was there. It was it was good. Um, I'm not sure they're gonna be playing they're like Carson Wentz could be throwing as much as he did as um as he did against the Jaguars. But um Samuel should have value, I think. Definitely. Um yeah. I still prefer Dotson. Yeah. So so you so just to kind of sum it up real quick. You have Robbie Anderson as your number one priority this week. Yes. Uh, this is my list. Uh, so I just want to kind of clarify what Zach likes too. So Robbie Anderson, you have him as your number one priority this week. And you like Jahan Dotson over Curtis Samuel. Uh, who, yes. Who's your number two priority? Is it Jahan Dotson? If, if Jahan Dotson is available in your league, are you picking him up right after Robbie? Yeah, I feel like that's the way it has to go. You know, I would say Jeff Wilson, but like I said, he's like the most obvious waiver of all. It's, a situation where the starter got injured and you're just going to pick up the backup. And right. nobody really thought that was going to happen, but it did. So people are going to be jumping on that. I'm not jumping on that. I'm going to go after other guys. I think Jahan Dotson would be my number two. Yeah. Yep. Makes sense. Um, now I have Jalen Warren at number seven here. And, and, and I want to have Jalen Warren a little higher, but these guys ahead of him, you know, they might have some season-long value, right? Yeah. So I couldn't put him any higher. Uh, but I think Warren's a stash right now. Like he's not, you know, latest reports are that Najee Harris avoided, you know, a serious injury. Um, you know, he, he did aggravate that, you know, this Frank injury a little bit, but it's not enough to keep him out, you know, for a long period of time. It is even possible that he's going to be fine for this week. Now yeah. it's also possible the Steelers decide to rest him. I think that would be the smart move for them to do at least for a game. Right. So I do want to pick up Warren for that possibility because he'll be an RB two play who can get work on all three downs. But I also think that when Najee does end up playing when he comes back, whether it's this week or the following week, there is a risk that he re-injures that Liz Frank injury yet again, and it could be even worse. So, mm -hmm. And these foot injuries are tricky, man. Um, you know, So Warren should not be on the waiver wire, in my opinion, uh, even if Najee is back and playing. Um, you know, Also, I might look into trading Najee right now. The offense doesn't look good. I was worried about his efficiency and the foot thing. And if I can get a package 
you know, if I can package him up, you know, and buy like Saquon high or something like that, I do it. Yeah. I don't know how, I don't know how easy it would be by buying Saquon right now. You know, can you imagine? If- see, but think about it, right? Like all these people had, you know, I had Saquon ranked above Najee, but yeah, you know, most people didn't. And if you drafted Najee in the back half of the second first round, you obviously drafted him before Saquon. Mm-hmm. You know, and the people I who drafted so. Saquon were they that high on him because they took him at the back of the second, maybe. So, yeah. you know, obviously Saquon had a much bigger week, so maybe the people going to hold on to him. But mm-hmm. you know, some people might value Najee. Now, I, obviously, you can't do one for one right now. But no. I would I would actually add on to Najee in a package deal for another running back, another RB1. Yeah, no, no I think that's right. And with Jalen Warren, you know, the reports have kind of been like all over the place, especially the last 24 hours. It's like, oh, you know, Najee Harris might be out for a few weeks. Now it's like, oh, Najee Harris might be back next week. It's Jalen Warren, you know, we saw him on the field. He didn't produce very much, obviously, you know, in the game. But um, that was extraneous circumstances they're not going to be playing overtime and kicking field goals back and forth like they did you know every week but um you know I, i'm not too high on priority for adding Jalen warren i'd much rather try to add jeff wilson and maybe even rex burkhead than try to throw you know, any of my acquisition budget at Jalen warren right now um he's not one of my favorites we haven't seen much from him and if Najee harris like if there's that threat of him coming back sooner rather than later you don't want to be putting out like a good amount of fab for Jalen Warren to, just to have him sit on your bench, sit on the Steelers bench too in like two weeks. Jalen Warren, I wouldn't be putting anything more than a couple, couple dollars on him. Yeah. You know, one to 2% uh, on, on Jalen Warren. Uh, but he is like, just like how you, how we're stashing guys like Khalil Herbert, you know, and guys like, you know, guys who are th- potential three down handcuffs. He is one of those guys. Um, and even though the Steelers offense isn't that great, there's a reason why we drafted Najee Harris uh, early in the first round. Uh, Jalen Warren looked good in the preseason, um, and he doesn't have a lot of upside. He doesn't have the type of upside that a lot of these other round one running backs have who are every down backs. But if he's going to play an every down role, um, he definitely has value. And uh, by, at the very least, he has RB2 value um, if he right. were to get some opportunity. So he is a stash on your bench. Not somebody that I'm looking to start anytime soon unless Najee's out. Yeah, I hear you. All right. I think that's right. Yeah, Gerald Everett, I have him at number eight. Um, Gerald Everett looked really good in this game. Uh, we might have Jar- we might have uh Keenan Allen missing this game with the hamstring injury. And uh um, right. he, he was he was running around, I think, on 70% of dropbacks last week on Sunday. So uh well, last week it was just two days ago. Um, <laughs> but I mean he looked good. This is a very good offense. He's somebody that you want to pick up. We weren't sure how much he was going to share the load in terms of route participation with other tight ends, but it's looking like he's the guy for the most part. Yeah, absolutely. And like we said, we've been talking about Gerald Everett as a nice um, you know, piece, as someone you could pick up on the waivers, someone you could get cheap, shoot late in drafts, and you know, get some value out of him. And that came to fruition this week with Justin Herbert. You know, he was like targeting everybody. And that's what kind of makes it difficult to evaluate the volume that he got because Justin Herbert was just distributing the ball all over the place, throwing to Gerald Everett. You know, Gerald Everett ended up with more catches than even Mike Williams. So it's interesting to see. Um, I don't think there's going to be an issue this week with Gerald Everett either because they're playing the Chiefs, and that's a Thursday night game, and there's definitely going to be fireworks there. Um, I think Gerald Everett's a good pickup. He might be, might be third on my list. If I need a tight end, because I think he could be, he could return, you know, a couple of tight end one weeks 
um, moving forward, even throughout the season, even beyond just like this week, you know, just because it's a good matchup, you know, Everett, he's an athletic tight end and he hasn't had a quarterback like Justin Herbert. He might be, he might bring the best out of Everett. No, nobody had 13% target, more than 13% target share on the Chargers this past week. The ball was spread out a ton. So there is room for guys to kind of stand out moving forward. This isn't going to be an equally distributed, you know, target share every single week. We're going to see guys eventually climb to the top. Guys like Mike Williams uh, and someone like Gerald Everett has an opportunity now as well, uh, even right. with Keenan Allen healthy once he does come back. So Gerald Everett's somebody that I want to pick up. And if you need, if you have tight end problems, he should be prioritized for sure. Um, I got Christian Watson over Romeo Dubs uh, at number nine. Um, even after you know, that Ro- drop. <laughs> even after the drop. And, you know, drops aren't sticky. Drops, I don't look at yeah. drops and say, like, you know what? He, you know, it's not like they took him off the field. You know, he he ran more routes uh, than any other wide receiver not named Sammy Watkins. And obviously, I'm not really interested in picking up Sammy Watkins. Um, mm. But, you know, he, he ran around on 67% of, of Aaron Rodgers' dropbacks. There was really a rotation there, right, between him, Randall Cobb, Romeo Dubs. Romeo Dubs did run a few routes less than him. He did get targeted one more time than Christian Watson. Um, and, you know, you're going to see in the next slide that I put up, I only have Dubs, I think, right under Josh Palmer at number, at number 11. So yeah, the reason why I have Christian Watson is because he was the one who started the game. He was the one involved earlier. He has that explosiveness to potentially – we saw it, right? If he caught that mm-hmm. ball, he was out. That would have been a touchdown, and he would have been probably number one or number two on a lot of people's waiver wire list this week yeah. if he were to catch that ball because Aaron Rodgers' demeanor would have been completely different as well, right? Like, think about it. You know, if Christian Watson caught that touchdown early, long that would have been a 70-yard touchdown. Imagine how – like – happy Aaron Rodgers would have been compared to like how upset he was, you know, right after, you know, throughout the whole game. Uh, So the vibes would have been completely different for this Packers receiving core and Christian Watson would have been up there. So he's somebody I want to pick up. I think he's going to redeem himself and um, I'm looking forward to him, you know, potentially blowing up. So I do want to prioritize him if he's available on the waiver wire. Um, Between him and Dubs, are you looking at Dubs more? Would you rather have Christian Watson? Because it's possible that both these guys are available on your wire. Yeah, they're probably both available on the wire. I'm going Watson. I'm with you there because, like I said, the athletic profile just is the difference maker for me. And we saw the quality of the targets that Christian Watson was getting, especially that deep bomb. Oh, my God. If he caught that, you know, we'd be having a completely different different conversation, like you said. It would just be, you know, Christian Watson season. And that would be that, you know, I think Aaron Rodgers would be locking in on Christian Watson next week more than he would be, you know, actually because he dropped it. But um, there's no reason to think that he won't keep looking his way because who else does Rodgers have to throw to? <laughs> so that's the way I look at, it. you know, Christian Watson's going to have to, you know, he's got to learn on the job and he will. And hopefully in a few weeks, we'll be seeing more of those passes being caught and more of that type of production happening. Yeah, man. And, and like Josh is saying right here in the chat, wide open 75-yard touchdown, 14.5 points in PPR from just one play. And yeah, uh, and, and that's why. Um, there's just points left on the bench, right? Yep. Um, so yeah, Josh Palmer, you know, he was – so I obviously, you know, the guy that was standing out last week wasn't Josh Palmer, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, however, Josh Palmer was the guy who benefited the most from Keenan Allen missing. Josh, Josh Palmer was already on the field with Keenan Allen. Right on the outside, Keenan Allen was the primary slot. When Keenan yeah. Allen left the field, it was Josh Palmer, um, 
moving into the slot a ton. Okay. And it, and it wasn't just DeAndre Carter. DeAndre Carter was the guy who benefited in terms of production. If I had to pick one, I'm going to, I'm going to go with Josh Palmer um, just because we've seen him done it before. He's going into his second year. Um, and, and I, and I do think that there is a potential for him to blow up in this game. I, I, I don't want to just chase the production that we saw in this, yeah. this past week. Um, I do think that it was, you know, in that game, that's what happened. But I do think that Josh Palmer is the guy uh, to p- pick up and play if you need somebody. You know, you know, it's not a, a slam dunk that he's going to be the guy over DeAndre Carter. But DeAndre Carter is going to be um, on the field, on the outside, and in the slot. But I think Palmer is going to be the, the primary guy in the slot with Keenan Allen missing. And by the right, way, th- this game is on Thursday night. Okay, so yeah. this, most likely Keenan Allen is not going to play. Yeah, no, that's that's the word. You know, I don't think Keenan Allen's going to play. I don't think they're going to rush him back. You know, they have plenty of weapons still in this offense. And, you know, it's easy. This waiver wire list is kind of loaded with Chargers receivers because, you know, Justin Herbert is a quarterback. You know, this distribution was so good. They all p- produced in some way or were encouraging in some way. Um, I think Josh Palmer is ultimately the buy, the guy that you want to get um, over DeAndre Carter. You know, we didn't even say – we weren't even talking about DeAndre Carter um, before, the off-season, before the beginning of the season. Um he showed up, you know, he played well, but I think Palmer's kind of the guy that they're going to be getting more to now that Keenan Allen's out, like you said. Um, you took all the points that I was going to bring up, so I'm just kind of repeating. But, um, yeah, I agree with that. And, and if you notice, like, Zach put a little bit of a – by the way, Zach does these graphics, if you guys don't know. Fire. Fire. Um, <laughs> but if you look at these um, little indicators next to these guys, you'll see that both DeAndre Carter and Josh Palmer had little – short-term indicators next to their names that's because it's really about this week right and mm-hmm. potentially next depending on how how bad keenan allen's hamstring injury is so don't expect them to be guys who are contributing all he's along josh palmer can he's going to have his games but i'm not really prioritizing him to be on my roster um you know unless any of these guys get hurt um he is one of those guys i i feel like is like a a wide receiver handcuff almost when these wide receivers get hurt you can plug him in um so he's okay to roster but is not not necessary when these guys are healthy. Right. Now, I have Khalil Herbert. So we talked about Romeo Dubs for the most part at number 11. Yeah. Um, you know, he had a he I think he did he lead the I think he led the Packers in target share with 15% uh with Christian Watson at 12%. Oh, so, boy. you know, 15%. <laughs> so, you know, uh, nobody had above 15% target share. So there is going to be, you know, some wiggle room for some guys to emerge. You know, we'll we'll see how that works out. Yeah. Uh, Khalil Herbert. Now, and also, if Christian Watson caught that ball, who knows? Maybe Iron Rodgers would be going to him more. Yeah. Um, Khalil Herbert at number 12 here. You know, we saw him get those couple goal line carries uh, over David Montgomery. They did split that role. Uh, but Herbert's playing more than we thought, number one. And number two, he's the clear three down back behind David Montgomery. So if Montgomery were to ever get hurt, Khalil Herbert would be that dude. Um, it it kind of sucks because, you know, on, on a bad offense, you know, you kind of want your running back to have a three down, you know, kind of an every down role, right? Which is why I was okay with Jalen Warren, you know, if Najee Harris yeah. were to get hurt. But if two guys are sharing the load on a bad offense, it's not ideal. You know, that's why David Montgomery, David Montgomery, you know, he did his thing. Um, I think he led the team in targets, if, not, if I'm not mistaken. So still startable, you know, as a back end RB2, uh, but not ideal, not ideal. But Khalil Herbert is somebody that he's one of the last, you know, three every down potential handcuffs that are that's still left on the waiver wire in most leagues that's why he's up here yeah i think that's a fair point point. and you know we keep 
crapping on the Bears offense, you know, like, oh, they're going to be a bad offense. You know, that's the only thing that might keep you from adding him or whatever. But, you know, despite the rain and the weather, you know, I thought the Bears offense didn't look that bad. You know, Justin Fields, you know, he wasn't a bad – he's not a bad quarterback. I think that he has a lot of upside. I think once we see them and not slop the slip and slide that they played in, I think that we might feel a little bit more encouraged about the way they're going. I think that this Bears offense could be better. Obviously, Darnell Mooney didn't get very many looks, but um, Khalil Herbert might be in for even more production because it was just – you can't – like I said, you can't take anything from that first game because of the weather. And I expected the Bears offense to be much worse, especially against the 49ers defense. So there's a lot of things that I thought would work against the Bears, and now I'm actually not feeling too bad about the Bears offense. So, you know, maybe tune down the talk of the Bears offense being bad like we said they were going to be. They might be better than we think. I think so. You know, and I think Justin Fields, we're going to get into it in a little bit, that Justin Fields can potentially be a streamer. You know, he he, he looked decent enough. Um you know, in this game, he, he was rushing the ball. He had, let's see, we talked about it with Lou Getzey. We are like, hey, is Justin Fields going to get those design rushing attempts? And he did. Um, so yeah. it's looking good for him as a potential streamer this year. Um, and I'm looking forward to him, to seeing him in better field conditions. Because yeah. I want to know what this offense is going to look like. And I want to know if Justin Fields is going to be a guy who could potentially crack the top 12 because of that rushing ability. Right. You know? Um and, and by the way, Herbert looked good also. Okay. And, yeah. you know, can there be a potential takeover at some point? Can he be the become the 1A at some point? It's not It's not out of the realm of possibility. It's really not, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so put him on your bench as a handcuff, and then you kind of have some upside, hopeful stuff that could happen there. Yeah. I have Rondo Moore at number 14, and Rondo Moore would have been much higher on this list, to be honest, um, you know, if he wasn't hurt. You know, it, yeah. because of the fact that you got to pick him up and then like throw him on your IR spot or pick him up and leave him on your bench, you know, isn't ideal. That's not the kind of guys I like to pick up. However, when he is back, I do feel like Rondo Moore is going to get a ton of targets uh, because Greg Dorsch got a bunch of targets in this game, uh, you know, from Kyler Murray. Not something that I expected, but he was basically playing that slot role, that same role that uh, Moore is going to be playing. Uh, that Moore is playing. Um, let me see exactly what his target share was. Uh, his target share, 27% target share in this yeah. game. He ran 95% uh, of routes on dropbacks. So, you know, kind of plug and play him for Rondell Moore, and Rondell Moore is the more talented guy. So, you know, I think Rondell Moore is going to get a bunch of targets from Kyler Murray. This is why I was high on Rondell Moore coming into the season, and I think that uh, once he's back, he's going to have a big role. Yeah, no, I hear you. And... I think that, you know, the Cardinals offense was hurting a lot from not having yes. Rondo Moore. You know, they're throwing to Greg Dorch. Like you said, um, Rondo Moore will come back. He's going to give uh, a little juice to the offense, add a little juice to the offense. It'll allow Kyler Murray to be more dynamic, get the ball in Rondo Moore's hands. Because if if Rondo Moore gets the same target share that Greg Dorch got, we know Rondo Moore is a little bit more, he has a little bit more juice to him, you know? Oh, yeah. He's a little bit more electrifying after the, after the catch, that kind of thing. So I think that Rondo Moore, he should be a priority pickup if – you're okay with having him sit on, you know, IR, depending how long he's going to be out. He's supposed to practice this week. I think he's supposed to practice tomorrow or something like that. Oh, did you but, hear uh, that? Yeah, I think there's oh, a okay. report out somewhere that he might practice tomorrow. Oh, so okay, that's, that's, that's a good that's sign. That's good. And, you know, we might see him start moving up, you know, if he's still on the waiver wire. People people might be targeting. 
people might already have him on their team. But, you know, if anybody's panicking, you know, they saw that he was injured and they dropped him first thing because they didn't they wanted to go pick up the next best yeah. thing on the waiver wire, you know, take advantage of that. Yeah, Rondell Moore was, I think I saw him at right at 50% uh, available. So um, he's probably one of the most rostered players on on this list. Right. And it looks but, like it was overnight that that report came out. You know, I'm okay. just on the sleeper alert that Rondell Moore likely practice oh, good. Wednesday. Good. Uh, I completely missed that. So nice. Awesome. That's good news. Um, No guarantee he plays this week, you know, because it is a soft tissue injury, but that's good news. Uh, We talked about Jordan Mason. I have him here at number 15. Don't really want to spend a ton of fab on him, but he's the guy. If you don't want to spend 10 to 15% on, you know, uh, Jeff Wilson, on Jeff Wilson, then this is kind of like your constellation that you get for cheap. You know, this always happens. Right, there's always going to be an expensive guy that you can get, and there's always going to be the cheap guy that you can get on backfields. It doesn't always work out that the cheap guy is the guy who ends up being the guy, but in this particular scenario, with a guy who has killed it in camp, beat reporters are very high on, coaches are very high on because they moved him up over TDP. This is a type of situation where you throw a couple bucks at Jordan Mason, a couple dollars, maybe one or two bucks, get him on your team, put him on your bench, and then see what happens over the next week or two. That's how I would play it. I think. That's the way I'm leaning with the 49ers running backs to so just throw a yeah. couple dollars at Jordan Mason. And then if it pans out, you know, you just got an awesome value and you screwed someone who picked up Jeff Wilson. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that, that's so I'm glad that yeah. I'm getting all your secrets because me and you are in a couple leagues together. So that works out really I'm well. not, yeah. Anything I tell you on this podcast, you know, I'm not going to be, you know, putting together here in the league with you. <laughs> um, although hopefully, no, hopefully nobody else watches this podcast that I'm playing with. But um, at the same time, watch the podcast. You know, there's a lot of good stuff here. <laughs> right. <laughs> all right. Moving on to DJ Shark at number 16. Uh, I wasn't high on DJ Shark at all coming into the year, uh, just because we haven't really seen him put it, put it together uh, for a couple of seasons now. He had that breakout year a few years ago, but since right. then, you know, really been on and off, uh, was hurt also, had that hurt year. Um, but, you know, if I'm not mistaken, did he lead? No, no, obviously he didn't lead. Amarad led yeah. the Lions in target share. Um, but yeah, the lion's share of targets. <laughs> there you go. 22% of targets still for DJ Shark, even with Amara St. Brown seeing 32% target share. Uh, right. He ran the second most routes, just one less route than Amara St. Brown. Uh, and you know that he's going to be going deep. He saw eight targets in this game. So somebody that, you know, you might, he's not going to be cheap, uh, expensive on the way of wire. You can, yeah. you might be able to get him for free. You might be able to get him for a dollar, but you know, he's somebody that might want to add. You know, on your waiver wire, you know, if you have if you're in a 12 team league, 14 team league, put him on your bench. Um, he was being drafted uh in some leagues late. Uh, but if he's available, throw him on your bench, see what happens next week. I don't want to put him in my lineup, you know, unless yeah. you unless you you're in a very deep league. Uh, but I want to see what happens. You know, maybe he'll become the number two number two target. They did bring him in, you know, to kind of be that guy. Obviously, at some point. We're going to see Jamison Williams maybe like later in the year. But until yeah. then, uh, I think DJ Shark has the ability to potentially emerge as a number two target. And, you know, it's possible that it's TJ Hawkinson, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see how that works out. TJ Hawkinson uh, had a 19% target share. So he's right there. Uh, one target less than DJ Shark. Yeah. And, you know, DJ Shark, I look at it, this is a quality ad. This is a high upside ad if you could get him for cheap. And I look at him, he's a much better receiver to have on your roster, have on your bench even, than a guy like, you know, you can try and shoot for the offenses that are, you know, really good. You look at, like, Russell Wilson, you know, we at least what we thought they were going to be really good. Like, if you are if you have K.J. Hamler on your bench, you know, just take him. I'd I drop him for DJ yeah, Chark right now. For sure. Because for the sure. Lions are going to be 
presumably in the negative game scripts like we saw against the Eagles. And that's very fantasy conducive. And that's how you get performances like this. Um, DJ Chark, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's not someone we're really talking about over the off season or going into the season, but you know, the first week shows that he's going to be getting the usage that we kind of like to see. And especially for a waiver wire pickup, a guy that's floating around there. Um, I, I'd say pick him up. I wouldn't be afraid to throw, um, a few extra dollars even at him. Like maybe. Okay. Five. So would you go like maybe 5%? Yeah, I think five. Yeah. I think that's yeah. where I kind of cap out. Um, that's if I'm and, really and are you at, doing that if you really need a receiver? Are you looking? Are you doing that if you just want a solid add on your bench, and you have some solid receivers? How, how are you? How are you treating that? So, obviously, if I really need a receiver, you know, I'll do the five for DJ Chark easily okay. because just because of what we saw, he got a touchdown, he had the target yep. share. Both of those things are very good, and um, you know, lines are probably gonna be a bad game script. If I have already a good wide receiver core, it depends who I have on my bench. Like I said, if you're sitting there with KJ Hamler and you're thinking that you're going to get the upside out of him, I'd, I'd rather go DJ Chark. Yeah, um, agreed. I think I think he's a good – if you can add him maybe even for free, say say, say nobody wants him, right. just add him and just claim off the waivers just as depth, no problem with that. Yep. I would do that. One I, or I two, you. one or two, I'd kind of be – I wouldn't be too inclined, but if I really wanted to, you know, I would. It's only one or two, like one dollar, two dollars. I, I wouldn't be worried about it. Yeah, I have Damian Williams at number seventeen, um, and this is an interesting one because like Damian Williams, like, what are you talking about? Like, Damian Williams was actually the guy uh, on the field for the Falcons before Cordell Patterson, before he got hurt. He, uh, Damian Williams had a rib injury. He was their guy. Cordell mm-hmm. Patterson really only got the work that he was getting because Damian Williams got hurt in this game. Uh, Damian Williams yeah. was leading in early downs. He was actually he he was on the field for a few passing downs as well. Um, so keep that in mind. Damian Williams he's supposed to be practicing this week. He might be back as early as week two. It doesn't seem like a serious rib injury. So he's a little bit of a sneaky ad, um, you know, for the Falcons. Now we talked about, you know, there might not be a ton of um, value in the early down back for the Falcons. However. It seemed like he it seems like he might be using the passing game a little bit too. And we know that he has that ability in him. I've always called him a jag, but it is what it is. Opportunity is opportunity. Um, and if he is supposed to be their primary back, you know, with Cordell Patterson, I think there could be some value here. Um, and there is a possibility that he was supposed to be their primary back, you know, over Cordell Patterson because the way they started out the game, that's the role that he was playing. Yeah, this one I feel is a little bit deep for my taste you know what i'm saying i think this might be a little bit of a stretch I, i'm not too turned on to the idea of damian williams being the starter there i think cordero patterson showed that he has a lot left in the tank and that's exactly what we were saying this time last season when he had a good performance you know but i think patterson you know is their best running back i think that he's going to continue to dominate i don't think damian williams is going to be too much of he's not going to be a factor that's taken away from cordero patterson and up to me for me to say, okay, let me add him and maybe hope that he'll take over. Unless anything happens to Cordero Patterson injury-wise, you know, I don't see him doing too much. I I guess, you know, Patterson's a little bit older. You know, maybe he maybe he'll he he won't get the workload, that same workload they got week one every week. Um, but I'm not betting on that. I I'm not really looking to pick up Damian Williams, but you know, I hear what you're saying. I, I don't know, man. Like the start is it, here here's what the snap count looked like. For the first 10 snaps before Williams got hurt, mm-hmm. he played on seven of those 10 snaps. And right. he saw more snaps 
then Patterson on early downs. And he saw, yeah, and he saw more snaps than Patterson on third downs as well. So, you know, it's possible that Cordell Patterson only, and we saw Cordell Patterson see more than 20 carries in this game, which he hardly saw last last week. Um, right. Oh, last year, I'm sorry. So I last think this is a little bit more sneaky than we think. Um, and he might have some value. And it seems to me like the Falcons had a lot uh, planned for Damian Williams especially considering the fact that they put him on ice for the entire preseason. Right. And on top of that, Tyler, Tyler Algier was a healthy scratch Yeah, uh, in week one, too. So they, they were planning on using both of these guys. So this is interesting, man. Like, uh, you know, Cordell Patterson, I hate to say it, but he might be a little bit of a sell high to me this week. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I, I wasn't big on Cordell Patterson going into the season. But, now, you know, I watched obviously what happened last week. And he looked a lot better than I thought he was going to, especially after what we saw in the latter half of the season last season. But um, I think sell high is fair. You know, people might might be scrambling for running back after, you know, like Austin Eckler. Not that they're going to be starting Cordell Patterson over Austin Eckler, but they're like, oh, crap. Maybe I need to get somebody just in case things go south. You know, um, I think sell high could work. Another, another way, I think another way to approach this Cordell Patterson situation is that whoever had Cordell Patterson yesterday might be feeling very safe with the running backs that they have in their roster. So maybe you don't go target Cordell Patterson, but maybe you go target one of their other running backs. Let's right. say they have Austin Eckler also, right? Or let's say they have some other running back that's solid, that you might need a running back. So they might feel super secure with Cordell Patterson. They're like, you know what? Maybe I could get rid of this other running back because I have Cordell Patterson here. You know, I can play him as my RB too. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe not, but they might be feeling secure after this really, really good week one that he had with a ton of opportunity. Okay. A um, yeah. A couple names. Does that make sense? Yeah. A couple names, underperforming running backs who went high, Austin Eckler, Derrick Henry, you know, those kinds of guys I would, I would consider maybe seeing what you could get for them, especially Derrick Henry. I feel like, because, you know, we saw he got carries, but he didn't get any touchdowns. The receiving work went to Dontrell Hilliard. Is that his name? And yeah. it was just a weird overall performance because you figure that would be Derrick Henry, but it wasn't. Um, people might be panicking on him because we did talk a little bit about him kind of being one-dimensional. You know, he's getting older. He hit that threshold where running backs tend to fall off. Um, you know, people might be panicking on that. You could bet on that. Maybe buy him low, you know, if, if that's the situation, especially if they have Cordell Patterson, like you said. Obviously, it's a very specific scenario, but if you could play it that way, you know, it could return a lot of value. Yeah, I wasn't targeting Derrick Henry in the draft, and obviously his price played a huge factor into that. But I don't want to give up legitimate assets because if you're if you're going to trade for Derrick Henry, that means you got to get up, give up some legitimate assets for him. I don't think I could do it. I, I just I, I don't want to bet on Derrick Henry and where he's at in his career right now. I just can't do it. Um, but Austin Eckler, you know, people pan, people panic press the panic button on 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 him. And by the way, mm -hmm. tomorrow's Wednesday. We're going to be talking about. Guys, we should sell. be buying. Guys, we should be selling. Uh, in tomorrow's episode, we'll be taking most of tomorrow's episode uh, doing that. So, so we're gonna come up with a, a solid list for you guys uh, tomorrow to you know because I know everyone has a trade itch. You know, people want to start trading. So, so, yeah. uh, so we get that. Um, all right, we got a couple names left on this list. Rashad White at number eighteen. Uh, Leonard Fournette did come up a little bit gimpy. Uh, Gimpy or Limpy? Gimpy. Uh, towards the end of the game, uh, obviously the game was pretty much over. I think Leonard Fournette's fine. I think he's going to be playing in week two. However, we saw that Rashad White played every single snap 
when Leonard Fournette was out. And he he does profile as a three-down back. If Leonard Fournette were ever to get hurt, Rashad White is one of those guys, can be every down back on a, an amazing offense. <laughs> so yeah. he's some, and we know how much uh, Tom Brady loves to check it down to his running backs. And Rashad White's one of the, the he was like one of the best pass catching running backs in this past draft. And he could kill it if he were to be the starter there. So somebody I want to have on my bench and it's someone I don't want to drop. Yeah, definitely. And that's why we have the long-term stash next to his name. Because exactly. as things stand right now, Leonard Fournette's going to be getting, you know, the main share of the targets, the main share of the work everywhere. Um, but like you said, he did come up gimpy. And we know Leonard Fournette has a way of, you know, missing a game here or there where Rashad White could be plugged in, almost like Alexander Madison type, you know, that kind of security. Um, yeah. Obviously, he's a rookie. And, you know, it's hard to say, but, you know, the way that the offense is trending, you know, it looks like it's going to be a good offense again. Um, Tom Brady at the helm, Rashad White, definitely someone that you should keep on your bench. I wouldn't consider dropping him unless, you know, he would get injured. Yeah, exactly. Um, Now, a a couple of uh, deeper guys that to take a look at Zay Jones, um, (laughs) one of the bigger free agent signings that the Jaguars made, a head scratching one. However, he did have the same target share as Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk, you know, uh, I'm pretty sure Christian Kirk went over 100 yards in this game. Uh, yes. He looked good. Um, and he, he continued off of what we saw in preseason from Trevor Lawrence. So I would prior, I would say that Zay Jones is another guy, deeper leagues, sneaky stash you can get for like a dollar, if that, um, that you can add to your bench and, and kind of see what happens. Because he played, uh, I think he played every snap. Let me just double check that. He played... Uh, yeah, he played one less snap than Christian Kirk. Uh, I'm sorry, he ran one less route than Christian Kirk, and he had the same number of targets, catchable targets uh, that that aren't throwaways. So 25% target share for both of them. So we shouldn't, you know, just just throw that away. We should just add him uh, speculative, speculatively. I said mm-hmm. it. Um, you know, just to end of your bench to see, see what happens, see if that continues. Because Marvin Jones might ha- end up taking a backseat here. Yeah, and I think that the Jaguars' offense. The air, the passing game looked much more lively than it did at any point last season against Agreed. Washington. So, and, and look it, at the coaching staff, right? Completely yeah. different, right? You had Urban Meyer there, you know, and then you had you have Doug Peterson here. So it, it makes sense. And Trevor Lawrence moving into his second year. Mm-hmm. And Trevor Lawrence, you know, he still has a way to go. You know, he's, yes. he missed a couple passes. We know, obviously, Travis Etienne, that had a lot of us screaming. But, um, you know. He has a way to go, but he's obviously picked it up from last season, and they're much more dynamic on offense after the offseason additions that they made, and that's only good news. This isn't the same Jacksonville offense that we saw last season, and there can be fantasy-relevant receivers, actually even like two, you know, like we like we just said about Zay Jones possibly being there. Um, Kirk is clearly number one, and he's looking like he's going to be a value. But um, Zay Jones, I- I'm picking him up if I can. Yeah. And the last guy we have on this list is somebody that you might want to add at the end of your bench. Um, somebody you could start in a pinch if you're desperate because we know that they like to use him near the goal line. That's Kenny Gainwell. Yeah. Um, so here's what the target share looked like in, in, in Philly, right? It was A.J. Brown who had 11 targets, followed by Dallas Goddard with four. Um, and Kenny Gainwell also had four. And Devonta Smith had three. Okay, yeah. so he was very involved in the passing game. Uh, he had five carries as well. Uh, he had that touchdown. And he he saw a bunch of snaps in this game. Uh, he was the guy basically behind uh, Miles Sanders. He had more snaps than Boston Scott. Uh, he was their two-minute guy. Um, they had eight total two-minute snaps. He had seven of them. 
Okay. He even had only two less uh, short yardage snaps than Miles Sanders. Uh, and I think he had three less goal line snaps than Miles Sanders. So, you know, this is a, this is a situation where you're like, all right, well, if Miles Sanders were to ever get hurt, and, uh, you know, not like we've seen that before. Um, <laughs> if Miles Sanders would ever get hurt, I think, I, I, obviously, Boston Scott's going to be very involved. But yeah. I do think that Kenneth Gainwell could be a factor, right? We saw what his yards per touch was last year. We saw what his uh, yards per target were. We saw what the fantasy points that he had per opportunity in his rookie year last year. And on top of this, this offense is more pass heavy. They're pass yeah. first this year. So the fact that he was able to get – did he catch 50 balls last year? Something like that. I think he had – let me see how many balls did he caught last year. Um, let's see. Let's see. 50 targets, not 50 yeah, targets. Balls it was 50 it was. targets. Um, so this year, if he stays involved, you know, he could potentially hit 70, 75. Um, mm-hmm. And th- there could be some value in that in deeper leagues. Um, and this yeah. is not accounting for any sort of injury that can happen in front of him. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, what really confused me with this game, you know, I, obviously I like Kenny Gamewell as a pickup, definitely. Um, but Miles Sanders getting that usage, 13 carries, 96 yards, touchdown, and a couple of receptions. Um, Mr. Don't Draft Me, yeah, he's kind of screwing those people that didn't draft him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Miles well, Sanders. Listen, it, I don't know, man. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, it, it, it was it was it was, it was weird. It was weird. But you know, Kenneth Gamewell, obviously, even though Miles Sanders did have that good production, Kenneth Gamewell got plenty of work too. So yeah, it's definitely worth adding him because this isn't this still, even though Miles Sanders is number one, it still isn't you know dominated. This is uh, what's called backfield by committee. Uh, as we've seen with the Eagles in recent years, Kenneth yeah. Gamewell is the next best bet and the best the best running back, if anything, would happen to Miles Sanders on the Eagles roster right now. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, he, you know, and, and here's the thing with Miles Sanders. He's, when he's been healthy, he has always been efficient. He's mm-hmm. a good running back, okay? He just has to stay healthy. The only, the other issue is that if you look at his usage, only 50% of snaps, okay? He had 13 carries and Gainwell and Scott combined for nine. Okay, yeah. he had two targets, and Gainwell and Scott combined for four, right? Um, yeah. He ran sixteen routes. Gainwell and Scott combined for seventeen, right? So it's like, it, it he's gonna have his games, and this was one of them. Um, and it's a better offense this year, so that is gonna help Sanders as well. You know, kind of you know get get those touchdowns potentially. Um, but we might not see a huge workload from Sanders anytime soon. That's my only issue with him. Um, and, you know, I, I get where, what he was saying by don't draft me because, you know, he knew that he was going to be in a, in a in a timeshare with two other backs. Yeah. that's uh, Yeah, that's true. Um, now, I do want to answer this question from Josh. Josh, I appreciate you, man. Uh, you, you've been here the entire time. Um, do, you, do you have any thoughts on Devin DuVernay? I think this is a good question because DuVernay is showing up on a lot of waiver wire um, articles that I've mm-hmm. seen. Um but here's the thing with Devin Duvernay. If you look at their snap count, Rashad Bateman ran a route on most of the most of the snaps, uh, most of most of Lamar Jackson's dropbacks, and Devin Duvernay only ran a route on 18 of 34 dropbacks. So what does that come out to? That comes out to only 52 percent just over dropbacks. Half. Yeah, not somebody that I want to depend on, especially on an offense that's not going to throw the ball that much. Okay, mm-hmm. so he he got he got the touchdowns, uh, but I would only wants a roster of Rashad Bateman. And by the way, even Rashad Bateman, even his, uh, you know, route participation wasn't as high as I would hope it would be. 
I, I would yeah. want that to be around 85, 90%, especially on an offense that isn't throwing the ball a ton. Mark Andrews was at like 95%, which is great. Mm-hmm. But I want to see a little bit more out of Rashad Bateman. Yeah. No, I, I like Rashad Bateman overall. You know, Devin Duvernay had this game, but I just look at it, you know, he had four catches and two of them were touchdowns. I don't know how repeatable that's going to be. That uh, touchdown rate, obviously it's only four catches, but um, we're not going to – I don't think Devin Duvernay is going to score touchdowns like he does – like he did last week the rest of the season. I think this might be his biggest game this season, if I had to bet, you know. Yeah, but, um, I, I think so. I th- because if you look at the touchdowns, you know – they were just like they're they're they relatively deep touchdowns. He only had four looks. He got he got four targets. He caught all four. He made him count. But Rashad Bateman ultimately is going to get the most looks after Mark Andrews. And th- that's the other thing. Mark Andrews didn't score any touchdowns this game, which is a little bit, you know, unexpected. If if you're asking me, you know, I, I figured he might get a touchdown. He might be a bigger red zone target than Devin Duvernay was. But um, it's only the first week. We'll see how things go. It's only one week. Yeah, I, yeah. I like Devin um, Duvernay. If you're really in a bad spot with receivers, you know, maybe pick him up. Yeah, um, I think so because he he's the, he's their second wide receiver, pretty yeah. much. But he's in, he is in a rotation, so to keep that in mind. Um, real quick before we drop off, a couple of other uh, you know deep deep guys that you can potentially pick up. Donovan Peoples Jones, uh, he led the Browns in target share. I think he had 11 targets in this game. Um, so keep in mind, keep an eye on him. He's somebody that can have some value and then have a lot of value once Deshaun Watson comes back. Um, Kyle Phillips, he was the starting wide receiver for the Titans, uh, slot wide receiver for the Titans. Uh, he could potentially do some things. If you're in like a 12-14 team league and you need a PPR league, he's somebody that could potentially uh, help you out with a safe floor. Um, quarterbacks, a couple quarterback streamers. Carson Wentz, and you know you talked about this yesterday. He's going yeah. up against Detroit uh, in Detroit this week. I think he is a very solid pickup. You can plug him in and play if you need to. Jameis Winston uh, versus the Bucks this week. I think he looked solid. You know, obviously he has the receivers, he has the weapons, and uh, they're going in, in uh, into the season with a pass-first mentality. Yeah. Uh, Derek Carr versus Arizona. Uh, Derek Carr looked terrible in this game uh, this past Sunday. No surprise to me. However, however, he's going up against Arizona, and Arizona's defense looked terrible. This yeah. past week, obviously, it was against Patrick. Derek Carr can put together a decent game against Arizona. Marcus Mariota at the LA Rams. Marcus Mariota had a, a huge design run rate in this game. Uh, he has a couple weapons. Uh, hopefully, you know, uh, listen, John, uh, Drake London looked good, man, in, in his first game, you know, over 70 yards, five catches. Uh, so he has a couple weapons and he has that rushing ability. So if you're really in a pinch, Marcus Mariota can be there. Also, Matt Ryan at Jacksonville can be a solid pickup. You know, he wasn't amazing for fantasy this past week, but against Jacksonville, I think he can he can do his thing. Um, any other comments on quarterbacks or any other waiver wire pickups? I, w- I was going to hit up uh, tight ends as well. Yeah, I think that about covers it for me. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so moving on to tight ends, obviously we talked about Gerald Everett. He will be the number one ad for me this week. I would prioritize him over anybody else. Uh, Juwan Johnson um, on the Saints is somebody who can emerge uh, because if you and you know we didn't see this last year, but this year Jawan Johnson he ran a route on eighty percent of Jameis Winston's dropbacks, uh, which is a big number. So, so take a look at Jawan Johnson if you're in a deeper league and you need somebody to stream. Um, let's see, and I had somebody else. Who did I have here? Oh, I also had who did I have? Anybody? Oh yeah, Hayden Hurst. Um, he also ran a route on about seventy five percent of of um, 
Joe Burrow's dropbacks. So he he is also in play, especially if T. Higgins were to miss this game uh, this week. And then Taysom Hill is not somebody that I'm looking to add, you know, desperate, uh, only in a desperate situation because he only played on about 50% of, no, not even 50% of plays, uh, 50% of, no, even lower than that. Uh, he wasn't on the field a ton, basically, what it comes down to. I'm trying to wrap this up. That's why I'm not looking at my notes. Um, it was it was all gadget plays for Taysom Hill. That's all you got now. <laughs> pretty much. Uh, a couple defensive streamers. You got Cleveland uh, at home against the Jets. Green Bay at home against Chicago. Uh, New England in Pittsburgh and Carolina at the Giants. And that's it. That about covers it, guys. Uh, appreciate you guys. If you have any questions, hit me up over on Instagram. We'll be having uh, the Wave of Wire post up. Ask your questions there. Uh, but until tomorrow, we'll be back tomorrow at 9 a.m. No, I'm sorry, at 12 p.m. at noon Eastern time. We're going to talk trade targets and sales. We'll talk to you then. See you guys. Take it easy.